0: Are you ready to open your private practice this summer and make the leap into entrepreneurship? Introducing Make the Leap, our new offering by the Successful Nurse Coaches. Make the Leap is a four-month group coaching program that is designed to help you create your first paid client. Join our experienced lead coaches, Sean and Amy, as they guide you through the Successful Nurse Coach method, helping you create your first paid client in 30 days or less. Not only will you get access to our course that teaches you all the things on how to create clients in a non-icky way, will also be personalized mentorship, weekly group calls, and actionable steps to launch your business from just beginning into the Paid Coach Club. Since we are not running new mentorship groups this summer, we didn't want to leave those of you who are ready to begin hanging out in space waiting for the next group to start. This group is a great way for new coaches who have yet to begin their coaching practice or for coaches who have five paid clients or less. This is the most affordable way to work with our team, so be sure to check out the link in the bio. And if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to me on Facebook.
1: Welcome to the Successful Nurse Coach Podcast. On this podcast... Laura and Shelby,
0: both board-certified nurse coaches, show you how to make as much money as you want in private practice as a nurse coach.
1: Welcome to the Successful Nurse Coach Podcast. It is Laura today. I am so Grateful to be in your ear in this moment, wherever you are across the United States, even overseas. I'm just grateful. I'm grateful that I get to to be here and to do this with you. And I'm very excited to dive into this topic. Before we dive into the topic, which is perfectionism and imposter syndrome, where if you're out there right now driving, walking, raise your hand in the air if this is you. I would say 90% of our clients, 80 to 90% of our clients identify as a perfectionist. I'd say 100% of my clients uh, feel like they have imposter syndrome. So we're just going to dive deeper into these two things. And I'm going to take my five years of experience as a recovering perfectionist, as someone who deals with imposter syndrome regularly, uh, my perspective on these two things and how it's relevant to you as you start your practice. I canceled one of our workshops because I got my farm and I'm moving. I'm so excited. We just found out last night. So uh, the the next workshop that will be available to everybody is Spirituality and Nurse Coaching hosted by me at 11 o'clock Central on October 13th. This workshop is a precursor to a bigger project. I would require you to fill out a, a questionnaire before attending and, uh, it's going to be extraordinary. It's just one of those, ah, uh, it's just one of those really big things to me. And I see a lot of nurse coaches, uh, skirt around spirituality because they don't want to offend. They don't know how to approach it. They're not sure what theirs is. So they kind of just leave it off the table. And I'm going to give some frameworks on how you can bring it into your practice, it, accentuate it in your life, uh, from an easy way, no matter what your background, your belief system is. This is a really unifying workshop. So I hope to see you there. All right. So I'm going to kind of just start out by defining what perfectionism is. And the way that it's described is it's a personality trait characterized by a person's striving for flawlessness and setting high performance standards. This is accompanied by a lot of critical self-talk, self-evaluations, and a lot of concerns over others' evaluations. It's often linked to a desire to do things perfectly and an intense fear of failure or making mistakes. So I'm going to give you the the light side, the positive aspects of perfectionism, and then the the shadow, the negative aspects of perfectionism. Before I do that, I'll share a quick personal story. I remember very clearly As a child, watching TV in my family room in my childhood home. And uh, that's when we just had cable. (laughs) There weren't digital streaming platforms. And on cable, who knows what channel? A movie used to play all the time. And the name of the movie was Nadia. And the movie was about Nadia Khameneet. She was the first uh, professional gymnast and Olympic gymnast to ever score a perfect 10. And her story is the movie is quite tragic to be honest uh it's um she suffered a lot of mental illness like the amount of of uh, suffering that she went through to get this perfect 10 and it's just this documentary about her life well my little eight-year-old nine-year-old ten year old whatever age brain picked up two things from that movie the desire to be like her to get a perfect 10 and the framework on how to get there, which was to focus only on the goal, forget everything else, get totally out of balance, become obsessed, and suffer. A little heavy, right? I totally had Nadia Combinage syndrome as a child. And I went into tumbling and dance and all these things, but there was a, a seriousness to it. It wasn't uh it wasn't the same as as I see my two kids do right now. Like I can see the difference. Uh, I watched everybody very carefully. I was constantly evaluating others' performances and my performances, working on things like my toe point, my flexibility, my strength, going above and beyond. And so there's this goal of of perfection, because I guess my brain said, is if I was perfect, uh, then I was worthy. And there's a deep, deep desire. And this... It crept up in school and, and in other places, but the shadow side of this is if I wasn't perfect, then I just gave up. So it was really heavy. I really stacked the cards against myself. And the way that this can look from the outside is is actually kind of positive. There are some positive aspects of perfectionism. The high standards, you know we set high standards for ourselves. It's not bad, right? Like that's that inherently isn't bad. In fact, if we were to hire a team, we want them to all set high standards for themselves. When we think about our clients, we want them to set high standards for themselves. When we think about ourselves, we want to set high standards. That's not a negative thing. Second is like attention to detail. So I can excel in tasks that require a careful eye for detail. There's other areas of my life where my attention to detail is so diminished that it's laughable. So this isn't across the board, it's just in specific areas. I I see this a lot in like women with their appearance, right? And I went through a stage, a big stage where my appearance, I wanted my appearance to be perfect, which is just a losing battle. That's just a self-made hell. Um but the attention to detail, it was good in other areas of my career in nursing that was wonderful. It made me really good at a lot of things. So that was a positive aspect of it. And the third one is a strong work ethic. So if I had the mental health available to me, I was a wonderful employee. I've shared uh, in other podcasts that I missed work all the time and missed school all the time because I was an introvert and I didn't know how to regulate my nervous system. And so I would... I would have these, these episodes of feeling sick, but really I needed to completely shut down, be alone, and have no stimulation just to deal with reality in the world. But when I was with it, I had strong work ethic. Um, so these are positive aspects of perfectionism. They're not all bad. The negative aspects, which is where we, and we see this come out in entrepreneurs, we see this come out when you guys start your practice. That's why the, the term messy action is our mantra. It's our anthem because we attract a lot of perfectionists because surprise, the the nursing industry is full, filled with high achievers and perfectionists. And uh, I think that being aware of the the light side and the the negative side can be so helpful. The negative aspects of perfectionism is procrastination. Uh, I'll give you a really <laughs> a really good story about this. I remember this like yesterday. All right, so I'm in my certification program. I am oh, four months in, sixteen weeks into certification. I probably pro bono coached three people. I'm launching my practice. I got an office. I put a holistic nurse coach on my office outside on Main Street in the city I'm working in. I am creating my cards, but I realize i I'm gonna create my cards but I don't have my NCBC yet. So I kind of don't want to create my cards because I don't have my NCBC yet. But I also don't know my logo and I don't know my colors. So I don't want to create cards because I don't know my logo and my colors. And I really don't know my domain name yet. So what will I put on my card? You see how ridiculous that is? Whereas a, a better approach is I'm gonna. Do the best I can to create a card that's needed. At that time, I think I was doing a a meet and greet or something, and I wanted to give something out. Whatever card I created at that moment without the NCBC, whatever colors I picked and whatever email I used was perfect. It was perfect for that moment in time. And we procrastinate because we long to look, sound, and perform like coaches that have been doing this for 10 years. We can't do that. It just doesn't work. Don't procrastinate taking the next step because it's not perfect. Negative aspects of perfectionism increase stress and anxiety. Striving for perfection might lead to high levels of stress and anxiety, especially if your goals are not met. I see this. This is the, the, the biggest one. We, we let you come into mentorship. We let you come into our bubble with, we want you to say the big, scary goal. We want you to say the big thing. Like the, It's really important to be in touch with those bigger goals. Those are often followed by, and I did this too, at the six-month mark, I'm going to replace my six-figure nursing income. That seems doable. I mean, I'm a perfectionist. I'm a high achiever. I could do it. But what happened when by making that goal part of my identity, part of my striving, That every month I got closer to that and I was going to miss the mark, it just got heavier and heavier and heavier and heavier. And it caused me a lot of stress, which slowed down my progress, which changed my vibration, which made me last less magnetic and made me cry a lot. And it was because there was that thought error about the expectation of people paying me by a specific amount of arbitrary amount of time that it was unrealistic okay I would rather had someone given me this as a frame Laura your only job for the sick first six months in your practice is to do what your mentor tells you and to learn everything you can and to practice everything that you learn that's it that's all you got to do that's how you win that's how you become a perfect that's how you do it perfectly you become the perfect student you see everything is learning hmm Damn, I wish I was my own coach back then. That would have been so helpful. <laughs> oh, I can feel it in my body. Yeah. So that's hitting you guys right now. And I have some, I have a few of my current January mentees that that come to mind. You know who you are. We have to release that. That's our that's our work. We have to let go of that if we want to succeed in this industry. To succeed as an entrepreneur, or we'll we'll crumble under our own self imposed pressure. This one is interesting. So being a perfectionist has an impact on our relationships. Because here's the thing, if we're constantly judging ourselves, best believe we're judging other people. If you find yourself judging other people by the way they look, by their weight, by laziness, by their performance, they don't do things right, blah, 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 blah. The amount of that that you do, the same amount you are doing onto yourself. And my husband's a perfectionist. I'm a perfectionist. My son's a perfectionist. My daughter, not so much. I think she might have some things figured out that we don't have figured out, the three of us. But I remember I could feel my husband's judgment. I could feel feel his judgment on so many things. And it was so, I'm I'm an empath, but I could feel it on so many micro levels until he did his own work. I don't feel it anymore. It's so much, it's a better way to live, y'all. It's a better, better, better way to live. There is a part of us deep down in the center in our heart that we're familiar with, the part that we can tap into that knows we have nothing to prove. We are infinitely, perfectly imperfect. Moving from that place is so much more peaceful. And you can still have high standards. You can still have massive attention to detail and a strong work ethic and also peace. Next one is never feeling satisfied. I may still do this. I probably still do this. In a really intentional way. I think satisfied is an interesting word. I'm not ever really satisfied because I feel the most peace in forward movement and momentum and growth, right? But you could see how uh, never feeling satisfied is you make 10,000 a month and then you want to make 20,000 a month. Then you want to make a million a month and then you want to do whatever and you want to buy this and you want to buy that and you got to get the second house and you got to do this or you got to, it's, we see this, this consumption culture where that's not healthy either. So we think that by achieving something, we're going to feel better about ourselves, but the goalposts just keep moving. So there's some some duality. There's some paradox around this that I want to play with here is if you know you're a perfectionist, we have the power to pick and choose what parts we want to use, what parts are not useful at any time we want, at any time we want, becoming aware of it, it's a double-edged sword. It leads to excellence in some areas, but causes significant stress, dissatisfaction and other mental health problems if we're not aware of it. Now, here's the thing. I think perfectionists make incredible entrepreneurs. So if if you if you're fitting into this bucket, congratulations. It's not it's not a bad bucket to be a part of. The work here Is learning how to work with it in a generative way instead of a pathological way. And if you're still working with it in a pathological way, also don't judge yourself for that. We're human. Humans do weird stuff all the time. I know I do. It's so funny because as I'm sitting here, I feel like the biggest hypocrite. I'm like doing this podcast and I can feel I have work to do in this area. I can feel it. You guys probably sense it. There's a reason. Why the successful nurse coach is growing, and we have aspirations, and we're constantly trying to make our programs better. And I'm constantly trying to get you guys a higher ROI and make your experience more powerful and make you feel more seen and make you feel more loved. It ain't bad, right? It's, I think, what everything great has been built on those high standards. And my work is finding peace during the build and the enoughness. And the preference versus the need to grow or be better. So I'm doing work alongside you guys. We are going to move into imposter syndrome, and I think uh, Rich Lefin talks about this. This has been told to me by by lots of my mentors and coaches. If you don't feel like an imposter, you're not playing the right game. Okay, so if you don't feel like a total fraud, a lot of the time. You're just not playing. You're probably playing small. Everybody we have ever looked up to, any author, anybody, mentors, just role models, all of them have experienced this. It's the feeling of growth. If we waited to not feel like a fraud before we stepped into a new self-concept or identity, we would not create so imposter syndrome, it's its not bad. It's not wrong. It's a good indicator you're playing the right game. So if you're out there feeling like imposter, throw your hands up in the air, right? Like do a happy dance. Say, F- yeah, Laura said I'm, I'm in the right space, right time. Now, how does our body handle that? How does our mind handle that? How do we handle the inevitable feeling of feeling like a fraud? We're going to go a little bit deeper into this. So when this happens to us, what it really means is that we are stepping into a new version of ourselves. If we think of ourselves like an onion, it's the actual fracturing of that outer layer and exposing another layer underneath. It's an expansion of who we are, who we see ourselves to be and how we see ourselves in relation to the world. It's not small. I don't want to minimize it. It's big. It feels big. It makes my pits sweat, it makes my heart rate go faster, it makes me do weird things like I'm watching some of my videos that I recorded earlier on, it makes you do strange ticks in your face because you want to seem a certain way, like this is all totally normal. So the first uh way I like to work around this is just like naming the feeling. Like, when have you felt like an imposter and what triggered those feelings and what thoughts accompanied them? Because there are some pretty gnarly thoughts that some of my clients have. I've had two. And, and the, the most common one is, who the hell do you think you are to start a business? Who the hell do you think you are to charge for coaching? I mean, who do you think you are to even leave the hospital? Why do you think you're special? Why can't you just be happy? Why can't you be like everybody else? you never you never finish what you start anyway right where does that come from and that voice however loud it is however insistent it is however much you're ruminating in it it's just trying to keep you safe it's it's a, a part of your own coping mechanism of the fear of of stepping into the unknown we coach around this a lot i think just being aware of it it's like when it happens, not if it happens, when it happens, what can you do? Can you do you have people in your immediate life or family you can share? You have your mentor group, you have your the Facebook group, like we create community for this. We can work through reframing some of these negative thoughts. And then another great with in our confidence workshop we talked about this but creating a brag file or accomplishment journal. This is your uh, all your testimonials from cert. This is all the different certifications you have, the life experience, like all everything that makes you totally prepared for this, which I find is in actually a crazy list of things. Uh, having your mentor pull that out so you can also have that your your thinking mind can have that. Another more direct way of dealing with this, that I have found works better for me now, is again, tuning in to that part of me, that infinite part of me, the part of me that is connected to something greater than myself, the part of me that's been tasked with a mission to help ease suffering in the world through the work that I do. When I tap into her, who is more true, more real, more powerful, and more present than any other part of myself, I don't feel like an imposter at all. I feel like I'm home. She's there too. He's there too. Then we don't have to do all the mind work. We just tap into what already is the truth about who we are. Now, how do you access that? Some people access it through prayer, through meditation, through journaling through oracle cards or tarot cards, through pendulum. I am a fan of any way that helps you connect to this part of you. There's no right way, in my personal opinion. It also makes it easier to coach because you're not coaching alone. You're coaching connected to something greater than yourself. There's no room to feel like an imposter when the ego is not involved. And the ego can't touch that part of you. It's the untouchable part. Oh, feels good to tap into it this morning. That was really that was so nice for me to do right there. Oh, in fact, before I tell you more information, take a moment. Take a moment to notice the familiarity of that part of you that I just embodied and and shared. I think that can be a a, a little hack. All right. Here's some other exercises if you're if you're hoping for some exercises because this one's really got you. It, imagine this is the mentor exercise. Imagine what me or Shelby would say to you when you're when you're having those thoughts. I have people say that all the time. They have their voices in her ear. My mentor's voice is in my ear. I love it. Like I don't even have to reach out to him to ask questions very often because I already kind of know. I've like he's imprinted on me. I already kind of know what he's going to say. A good mentor—that's what they do—is they give give you access to their own inner wisdom through your own experience of them of what they might say. So think about what Shelby and I, or somebody else that you admire, would say to you when you're having those feelings, and that can be on demand. Uh, The the idea that successful people never fail, feel fear, or doubt themselves is total bullshit, right? And so we do this for ourselves and we also need to do this for our clients. We cannot take our clients any deeper than we've gone ourselves. You can't skip over this part. You do your work in this part and you can help your clients do their work in this part as well. And then, of course, mindfulness and breathing. It just, doesn't that just change everything? It brings you to that center, to that that place the more real version of you, that grounded, connected version of you. And then when the stress hormones start to diminish, your heart rate starts to slow. You feel grounded and focused on the present instead of spiraling. You begin to trust what you're doing, even if it's new, right? Like it, we do new things every day. You can do new things every day. You do new things as a nurse all the time. And in coaching and entrepreneurship, for the most part, I mean, for for our profession in, in for nurse coaching in general, we have nobody's lives in our hands. Do you understand? Like how? What a relief that is! Like our biggest f up, if we were the most incompetent ever, uh, the client would probably just experience being heard, which is still valuable. So we're really playing a different game here. Um, and so stretching yourself and feeling like an imposter is safer here than it is as a bedside nurse. Okay. I would love your thoughts on this. I think that uh, as nurse coaches, doing workshops on perfectionism and imposter syndrome can be super helpful. You are welcome to take everything from this podcast, turn it into your own workshop to serve your community. I guarantee anyone in your community, there are so many people in your community, no matter what your niche is that would benefit from just space to acknowledge and work through some of these things um each one teach one, right so i hope you enjoyed today if you are knowing you want to come play in our community be part of a really epic connected community of new entrepreneurs doing all the coolest things uh, i just had amazing news today from our group chat from our lead mentor coaches about what a mentee just got offered. I'm not going to share it yet. But cool stuff is happening. People are hiring coaches. You know you want to be mentored? Come join us. On our website, you can take the quiz, you can book an uh, application call. I think as of today, we have 26 spots left for January. Uh oh, well, today's actually not. We probably will have a lot less. We'll probably be in the teens by the time this episode airs. If you know next year you want support, Book your app call early, even if you're not ready to commit quite yet. We can also give you some payment options that we now have to make this investment possible for you. And have a beautiful, beautiful Monday. All right, guys. See ya.